This is the Trails Church Podcast. At the Trails Church, our mission is to glorify God by making disciples through the gospel in community and on mission. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website, thetrails.org. Now here's today's podcast. Open your Bible with me to Galatians 2. Throughout the week, I've been thinking over the now many occasions that we've stood in this field and worshiped the Lord together. Multiple times, I've just been simply overwhelmed by the continual kindness of our God to our congregation. Today is a gift from the Lord, a little foretaste of glory divine, as we sometimes sing. We are gathered as one church in one service, and you look fantastic, to worship one name, the only name that saves, the name of Jesus Christ. Even before the first public worship service of the Trails Church, we began to pray that we might see men and women and children um, in this growing community come to know and believe in the gospel and grow in the gospel as disciples of Jesus. By God's grace, over the last four years, we have baptized 85 people. And in just a few moments, we'll have the privilege of baptizing nine more. Today, we get to see some of those prayers answered with our own eyes. And so we've gathered to celebrate and to give glory to the God who saves So let me just say to those who have come to be baptized today, that we praise God for you and for his grace at work in you and through your life. We pray that he continues this and we can't wait to see what he does in and through you. And of course, one of the wonderful opportunities of a baptism service is that we often have guests. And so if you are a family member or friend, a coworker or loved one who has come to support those, being baptized. We are honored by your presence here today. There are few things that nourish our faith like witnessing a baptism, and this is exactly why this ordinance was given to us by the Lord Jesus. The act of baptism is is a silent sermon. It's a silent sermon that has at least two points. The first point addresses each Christian and says to you, remember, remember, who you are in Christ and what Christ has done for you. The baptismal candidate is buried in the water just as Jesus was buried in the earth. And they are raised from that watery grave as Jesus was raised from the grave on the third day to live again. Or to say it in the language of the passage we'll be looking at this morning, this picture reminds each of us who have believed in Jesus that we have been crucified with Christ And he now lives in us. So that's the first point. It's to Christians to remember. The second addresses all of those who have not trusted in Jesus as their Savior. And it simply says, come. Come. Come to Christ. And have your sins fully forgiven. Your past radically redeemed. Your future safe and secure in the arms of Christ. So can you say this morning, I have been crucified with Christ, and Christ now lives in me? The passage we'll briefly look at contains a 
world of truth in a simple sentence. Sinclair Ferguson called Galatians 2.20 the Christian life in a single verse. The reason for this is because of how it summarizes the wonderful reality of how we've been saved through the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's a sermon in itself showing us that there are two parts to the Christian life, a death to sin and a living to God. And each reality happens only one way, through Jesus. Or as we just sang, yet not I, but through Christ in me. We'll look at two different statements that every genuine Christian is able to say with great confidence, not because of your performance, but because of what Christ has done. Every believer can say, and these are things we see pictured in baptism, first, I have been crucified with Christ, and second, Christ now lives in me. These are wonderful truths. Let me invite you to stand to your feet once more, if you're able to, for the reading of God's holy and inerrant word. You might want to keep one hand on your chair. And a child. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. Would you please be seated? The first truth of the Christian life is that we can now say, I have been crucified with Christ. Paul is explaining how when Jesus died, he died to the realm and rule and reign of sin once and forever. And we also have done the same because we've been united with him. We've been united with him in his death. And what does that mean for us today. Well, the death of the crucified Christ means the end of our relationship to the reign and rule and realm of sin because his death defeated those realities when Christ died in our place. We too have been crucified from sin and death and its destruction. And this is true for all who have believed on Jesus. We've been buried with Christ in his death. I want you to notice that the tense of this verb crucified is past tense. Our being crucified with Christ is not something that's going to happen to us or something we should really get around to. It's a glorious reality. If you're in Jesus, this has already happened. How? Jesus made it happen. You cannot be a Christian without this being true of you. And so now, what is true of us? Well, through your union with Christ, in his crucifixion, you have been justified. That word justified is a wonderful word. It means that God sees those of us who are united with Christ in his death, in his crucifixion, just as if we'd never had sinned. And just as if we'd always obeyed. Every command that we have broken, is no longer counted against us. Our sins have been paid for once and for all with royal blood. We've been issued a divine pardon by the King of Kings. And when Jesus died, his death meant the death of sin. It meant the death of shame. 
Christian, it meant the death of death for you. The death of death. And how did all of this come to be? Well, Christ has done it all. There are two things that Paul marvels at as he thinks about how all this happened. Truths that I want to remind you of this morning. These are familiar truths. Probably too familiar. But I pray they will be planted in soft hearts. First, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Paul confesses, Christ loved me. And I want you to notice how incredibly personal this is. This is the only time in Scripture someone talks like this. Um, Mark tells us in 1020 of his gospel that Jesus loved the rich young ruler. John, you know, will often refer to himself as the one Jesus loved in the third person. But Paul says firsthand here, Christ loved me. And every one of us who are in Christ can say the exact same thing. The love of Christ toward you is an everlasting love that stretches through time and eternity. The love of Christ toward you is a covenantal pledge and promise from the Lord. The love of Christ for you is pure and holy, a love that demonstrates the very heart of God. The love of Christ for you is an unconditional love that you cannot earn, and it is a fountain that will never run dry. His love for you is stronger than death, and it is greater than life. Perhaps the depth of this truth is, is summed up in the simplicity of the kids' song that many of us learn to sing. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Christian, Christ loves you. The second truth to remind you is that Christ gave himself for you. So that everlasting, never giving up love that God has for his people, we just talked about, it wasn't just a feeling that God had. It wasn't just words that he uttered, that he wrote down. He did those things, but his love was animated and activated and demonstrated. Listen to how Paul writes of this in Romans 5.8. God demonstrate his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He gave himself for you. Charles Spurgeon wrote, He gave himself for you in the everlasting covenant when he stood as your surety and representative. He gave himself to you through the long ages in which he waited to come to earth to redeem you. He gave himself for you when, you assumed, when he assumed your nature and became bone of your bone, flesh of your flesh. He gave himself for you through a life of toil and righteousness. He gave himself for you as your substitute when his own self bare our sins in his body on the tree. In the scourging, the shame, the spitting, the bloody sweat, the crucifixion, he gave himself for you. So take those words, the words of the apostle, and put them in your mouth and let them lie there like tasting honey and let them melt into your soul. We're talking of him who loved us and gave himself for us, crucified in our place. What gift of grace is Jesus, our Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy. 
my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. We've died with him in his crucifixion. And we have one more truth to revel in. Christ now lives in me. As long as Christ remains outside of us and we are separated from him, all that he has endured, all that he has suffered and done for the salvation of humanity remains useless and of no value for us. But here we see that the living presence of the resurrected Lord is not just outside of us, it's now living in us. How is that possible? How is it that Christ has come to live in us? Well, like before, the activity is all His. Christ has taken residence in us. We were saved by nothing we've done but Christ. He loved us. He gave Himself for us. And now He moves in to take residence in us. We find the inclusion of these words, by faith. So Christ has done all of the work, and we have responded only by faith, or faith alone. Let me be absolutely clear right now. The act of baptism does not, cannot save a person. The act of baptism does not add to a person's salvation. It's an expression, a testimony of the salvation that Christ has given. We are saved by Christ. We are saved through Christ. We are saved for Christ and Him and Him alone. We're not saved by our good works or by keeping the law or hoping in the end we do more good than bad. We are saved by faith, faith alone, in Christ alone. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, Paul explains to us that even that faith doesn't come from within us. It's not something that we muster up or strive to get. It's a gift from God that we must receive. We must also understand that it's not just the presence of faith itself that saves it's not enough just to have faith. It is the object of our faith that saves. Notice it is by faith in the Son of God. Not by faith in Allah or Buddha or not by faith in ourselves or a priest, but faith in Jesus Christ, the real biblical Jesus. So now we live this life, yes, in the flesh, by faith in the Son of God, a people loved, rescued, chosen, redeemed, a people inhabited by God, by the Spirit of God at work in us. So now with every breath, we long to follow Jesus, for He has said that He will bring us home. And day by day, I know He will renew me until I stand with joy before His throne. To this I hold. My hope is only Jesus. All the glory evermore to him. When the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. So as we conclude the sermon, let me just speak to any of you who have not been crucified with Christ. You don't have Christ dwelling in your hearts by faith. My invitation to you today is just to listen. Listen to these nine stories we are about to hear. Nine different stories that are the same. These were people who were sinners in need of a Savior and have now come to profess publicly faith in Jesus Christ. Each time you see them go under the water and be pulled back up, it's God speaking to you, showing you a living picture of what He has the power to do to pull you up out of sin, to pull you up out of death, 
and to bring you to life, to completely cleanse you of your guilt and shame and sin, to wash you, to make you holy, to make you righteous. So if that's you this morning, repent of your sin. Call upon Christ to forgive you. Identify with his death and enjoy the fullness of the life that Christ alone has brought. This passage contains a world of truth in a simple sentence, much more than we have time for today. But I hope in just these few minutes that you've heard the wonderful reality of how we've been saved through the death and resurrection of Jesus alone. There are two dynamic parts of the Christian life, a death unto sin and a living unto God. And each reality happens only one way, yet not I, but through Christ in me. And so I pray that today or very soon, each of us would be able to say with full confidence, first, I have been crucified with Christ. And second, Christ now lives in me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that leads us to truth, that points us to Christ. I pray that it would find fertile soil to be planted in this morning. You'd bear fruit in us for your glory and for our joy. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from The Trails Church. We hope you have been encouraged, equipped, and edified by time spent together in God's Word. And again, if you'd like to find out more about The Trails Church, visit our website, thetrails.org. 